Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Token Podcast Interviews. I'm your host and some sounds referee, the friendly neighborhood Zach Stat Pearson. And today I'm joined by he who is not the Lord of the Rings, but wears the crown, O one J V Hillard. All right, Mr. Hillard. Hey, thank you-, you very much for having me, Zach. No problem, no problem. All right, Mr. Hillard, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I am a uh, an epic and dark fantasy author. So if you are a fan of Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or or you know Dungeons and Dragons and sword and sorcery kind of stuff, uh, I hope you'll like my novels. I, I have a uh, a series out right now called the Warminster Saga. Books one and two are available uh, pretty much anywhere you look, and books three and four come out in March and August, uh, respectively, this year. So. Uh, thanks again for letting me plug that a little bit. Oh, no, 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 absolutely, no, bro. The, I'm a very synergistic person when it comes to my approach to pretty much anything online or anyone helping me do anything. If you helping me, the least I could do is help you. That's how I look at it. Good deal. Okay. Well, um, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, shrink my screen a little bit so I can pull up the Discord stuff. All right, let's get into it. Uh, first and foremost, our first question is, what was the moment that made you realize that this career profession is something you want to do for the rest of your life? You know, I've always wanted to be an author. Uh, and uh, right out of high school and college, I thought I may go in that direction. But uh, I was really good at math and, and science and, and had a penchant for, for politics. So I ended up going in a completely different direction and worked in government for about six and a half years on the U.S. Armed Services Committee on the Senate side. And then... Oh, I left wow, that that's and became a very lobbyist. unexpected. Yeah, yeah, I was I was a, a DC lobbyist uh, for a number of years, doing primarily defense stuff and technology work. Uh, and then when COVID hit, I realized that this was a chance for me to kind of get back to creative writing. Uh, and I wrote a book during some downtime when everything was closed. Mm-hmm. And this has always been on my bucket list to do. I knew that I was going to want to do this one day. Uh, ended up finding a, a publisher who was willing to take a shot with me and. Things are working out pretty well so far. So, you know, like I said, so far, so good. I'll take it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's really the turning point for me when that opportunity presented itself. And if there so was a silver lining unique. in a very dark cloud, I took it. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I grabbed it, man. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of the same way. But, well, my situation is more like I was just an infinitely expl- in, uh, expanding balloon and the funny or the writing needed to come out. I mean, not to bore you too much, but before COVID, uh, I was basically talked into rekindling my quote unquote stand up career. I didn't really suck, but I found out very quickly. A lot of my friends weren't actually my friends once they quote unquote decided that I was funnier than them. So I was essentially (laughs) surrounded by an army of backstabbers. And well, I mean, it got to me emotionally and as a person. So I left it alone. But then, you know. Uh, my agent found me again and she and she was basically like, why did you do that? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. Why are you letting douchebags in your brain? And then COVID happened and I haven't been able to contact her. So, you know, I'd like to think she's not gone from this world. But realistically speaking, you know, so I ended up going over into creative writing, trying to get a hold of people such as yourself and seeing who wants to use, you know, the studios I'm connected to, to either be funny or record their own material or have their stuff, you know, turned into an audio book. One person even wants to get their stuff made into a 3D cartoon. I'm just like, okay, I just essentially cool. decided, you know, let me go into being the facilitator of cool people doing cool things. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds just, I don't know why you, you think that yours is boring. I mean, I doing the stand-up stuff would be phenomenal. I'm a, I'm a big fan. In fact, uh, uh, my best friend and I are going to see Eddie Griffin here in Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, I got it, that uh, as a gift for him uh, for for Christmas. So we got like VIP seating. We're going down there next month to see him. I, I love stand-up, man. I could I, I wish I had the talent for it, but I sure as hell enjoy <laughs> hey, look, it from Well, you the got stand, the second so. best talent for it. You got creative writing. As far as I'm concerned, yours, <laughs> yours is a little bit easier, but also it's also more intoxicating. Like it's, it's, it's like I said, all jokes are essentially like bad milk. If you say it too much, people don't get interested and they'll even get mad in you. So you always have to do something new. But you can make a book and people can read it 50 years later and it gets a movie another 50 years later. Um, <laughs> that's that's true at least that's the brass ring right that's where you want it to yeah, go like I'm, I'm a be little, something I'm, legendary i won't even say jealous it's more like envious but yeah I'm, I'm glad to hear that you know um you know i'm still also connected to a decent chunk of people who mess around on broadway and do their own stand-up shows and host and produce them so you know if you ever want to try to get your stuff converted into anything i probably know the people who will do it um but yeah moving on uh all right so number two on my list of things to ask you is essentially 10 years from now, what goal would you like your products as in your books and yourself to have accomplished? Where do you want to be career-wise in 10 years? Yeah, so for me, a couple of things. I mean, the first is I, I want to complete the the Warminster Saga, the first four novels, which will be done this year. And then around that, I want to wrap around some additional sort of business goals for them. Uh, as you and I had spoken off air, but, you know, for... Uh, your followers, you know, the game that, that I'm playing in allows me to 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 look at movies or look at uh, at other uh, places where my product can be developed. And one of the things we did was uh, I've licensed my intellectual property to a video game company. Yeah, making, yeah, doing an augmented reality game for it. I'd love to also see it in the form of a graphic novel. I think that uh, the Again, kind of writing I do come to the right place, or even if you haven't technically. I know the people who already have made their own stuff. So I'm just saying, you know, we haven't technically synergized outside of literally right now, but I assure you, even if I can't be on board with it, I got no problem helping you get the people that I know that can. I, yeah. I well, for, there's no reason why you wouldn't be. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just looking for, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just think that what I've got is so descriptively rich. Yeah. And it based lends on, itself again, well me just to being bugged by your fans you are very unusually thorough for a first timer. That's a good sign because if this is where you start, no pun intended, imagine where you'll be in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a great question because, you know, my sense is that there'll be, you know, the success of the first saga will beget another. And then I'd like to do some origin stories around them on some of the more popular characters. But as we've got the video game coming up uh, in 2024 and then the potential for other types of media expansion, like you mentioned, movie, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, big screen or, um, or, or small screen, like a, a Netflix thing. I think this lends itself very well to that. It may be a little bit more expensive, uh, in that, that medium, but I, I could see it going there. And of course I think graphic novels is a great way to go. I, I think people that read comics would read me and, or I, as someone who reads my stuff also read comics. And so I think there's some overlap there. There's definitely, a way to weave into that community and, and turn one this day into you'll something come to that C2E2. I just feel like it one day. Exactly. 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 So, uh, but yeah, that's where I think I'll be I'll, knock on wood. That's where I'll be in about 10 years. 
Yeah, I don't know if you realize it, but you're in a unique position if you would come to C2E2 because you could be a participant, but also you could set up a booth potentially. Um, a lot of people. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about it. Oh, well, C2E2 is essentially San Diego Comic Con, but in Chicago. And it's ridiculous uh-huh. on so many levels. In fact, the people who, the company that runs it, uh, just recently tried to purchase E3. They get everybody. Like, wow. from Chris Evans, who's coming this year, and they didn't even announce that till like three days ago. Um, even though it, it starts at the end of March, all the way down to, you know, I don't know your age, but if you grew up with the Power Rangers, they got Gen 1s coming almost every year. The 90s X-Men yep. are coming, and I think there's going to be a trailer for the new uh, continuation of that 90s cartoon. Um, as well That's as the voice cool. actors. Yeah, no. And also, I- every single year, Marvel's editor-in-chief and writing staff come, and they look at talent and talk to people and have a Q&A session, and they've been doing it for over a dozen years. I know, because I've been to that meeting. <laughs> oh, well, that's cool. You know, I I have a convention calendar. I start the last week of March in Richmond, Virginia, GalaxyCon, and I end in October at the New York City Comic Con this coming year, but I'd love to do the one in Chicago. I mean, that's, that's Chicago is my second favorite city, brother. I like, I love to get out there because it's, it's a big Pittsburgh, right? There's all these, <laughs> it's great food. That's not good the people. first time I've heard that. I'm telling you, man, the, 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 I'll tell you, it's the neighborhoods, right? Like we have the same thing here in Pittsburgh. We have about 130 municipalities in Allegheny County. You guys have the same in Cook County, right? It's the, it's the same thing. You've oh, got these pockets. Of, yes. For, for us, it's, it's been divided because you've got rivers and tunnels and, and mountains. You guys are a little different. You're, you're right on the lake. Yeah. But it's it's the same kind of folks. Uh, I identify with it really well. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if I had if I had to move, like, hey, you got to get out of here, get out of Dodge, take the family, go. I, I would turn to Chicago next. I love the city. Well, I can tell you this right now, you know, this wherever our future synergies may lead us. Um, all roads do lead to, you know, you going forward, wherever you're trying to get me, just trying to help. I can tell you right now, were you here, like physically here, uh, not on the recreational stuff, but as far as the business, bro, there is so many people. I could sit you down with two people and it could turn into a seven figure situation. And I'm not saying that hyperbolically gravity studios is looking and has been looking for people like you. And the fact that I bumped in and you found me is just nothing but a hilarious coincidence because two weeks before that, Gravity Studios specifically wanted to do what I was already trying to do with you, except I didn't have a you to give them. I was going to give them a science fiction um, writer and novelist who's also a teacher down here in Chicago. Uh, shout outs to Rachel Crisaz, by the way. Be on the lookout for her stuff. She's writing in everything from uh, from uh, novels that she made to potential uh, TV show season pilots. Very nice lady. Love working with whenever I can. And she was already going to work with Gravity Studios with me to make a sci-fi comedy show that has a D&D theme to it. Um, but then, you know, they was like, you know, if you know any novelists, especially, you know, like Game of Thrones type stuff and more D&D stuff, because that whole studio is obsessed with D&D. I'm not even joking. I don't play the game, <laughs> but they love it so much. They put it on the damn company website. That's how much they love D&D. And they was like, hey, if you know anybody who does any stuff like this, let us know, because we'd love to give them an audio show or we'd love to, you know, make a dramatic adaptation or just do a book narration for them. And we'll definitely cut them a discount. I was like, Oh, I'll be on the lookout for that. I know a bunch of authors, but I don't know anyone who's got, you know, dark fantasy novels. And then two weeks later, boom, you just find me. Yeah. You know, sometimes serendipity 
I mean, that's why they call it serendipity, right? You just step into it. And, yeah. you know, I was glad we had a chance to to connect on that, too, yeah, because you're right. I mean, I think show, that... um, I don't know if you've heard over seen the show Chicago Med, Chicago PD or Shameless at all. Have you yeah. seen any of those? Oh, OK. Well, uh, all three. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, you know, the difference between a director and a series director. Uh, no, I'm a not series director will do certain episodes contractually, but they're not considered the director for the entire show. They're not there every day. They may show up if a director can't make it or they, there's a scene that they don't want to shoot. Well, I got you. Though, those three shows have one series director in common. He's a friend of mine. Um, and he's an actual director. Like, you know, knock on wood, should somebody, you know, want to get a license or you need a director potentially, whether it's voice on screen or off screen, you know, I can send them your way again, giant business meeting. Y'all can sit and eat some pizza or y'all can do it virtually. There's definitely the possibility for his company to aid and support you. Even if it's just a commercial or trailer, like the potential is there. And the best part, here's the craziness. I don't know too many directors who also have a master's degree in marketing. Like, yeah, no, that's a little random. I mean, you would, I know, right. You would think you'd be pushed. Yeah. I mean, are you, from from my perspective, I mean that that sounds like a random yeah, but you know I'm I'm a you know a dark fantasy guy and I've I've got an MBA so like you know, oh yeah dude I've you? been a I've been a government employee four or five times and when I'm not doing that I'm usually doing something in distribution or warehousing you can't eyeball somebody's background trust me I know I've been a chamber of commerce yeah. I've been DHS military and I'm I'm probably forgetting something. You would never think with my background I do what I do. So um yeah, well, look man, you know, we all come from different walks of life and you you find the right path at, at one point or another. So all good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um do you think novels are a gateway into graphic novels or vice versa? I think both. You know what I mean? I think that they're they come from two distinct varying back one is entirely visual with limited text the other is entirely text and the visual is something you create in your own mind's eye uh but in many instances by you know if you're a fan of comics or graphic novels oftentimes you're a fan of of you know the same kind of stuff that you find in sci-fi fantasy dystopian kind of stuff gothic horror you know that kind of stuff just because just the, by the basis of what people do when they create new and popular uh, graphic novels. Same thing holds true for for my side of the aisle, which is, you know, uh, an epic fantasy series or an, or a dark fantasy series, which has its its moments of, you know, rich and robust language that puts you into uh, situations where you can imagine the scenery, you can imagine the monsters, you can imagine the battles, uh, where you know that's translatable. I think uh, to the other form you know, that other medium with, with graphic novels and comics. So yeah, I think they, they go hand in glove with one another. Cool. What got you interested in transitioning from just being an author to licensing out your material for other forms of media? So part of it is, is I'm an entrepreneur by trade. I've owned about six different businesses over the course of my career. Uh, some of them more successful than others, but um, you know, I saw an opportunity to, you know, market and expand my readership and those that follow me on social media by going in, into a different direction. Not everybody likes to read 140,000 word, 500 page novels, <laughs> but they don't mind playing video games or they don't mind reading graphic novels or they don't mind watching a TV show. 
Um, you know, and in some cases, they don't even read. They, some people, the fastest growing part of my industry is audiobooks, right? So, like, yeah, my wife doesn't pick up a book and read it from podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife doesn't read the books, but she listens to them, and it's the same thing. Uh, you know, and, and you know, it's just a little just it's delivered differently, but you know, it's the same content. So, you know, I, I you know, I've always just saw it as a way of expanding, looking at it as a business where I am the the brand and my products are the books. Uh, and therefore, I'm just prom- if I promote me and or the books, there's a cross marketing that happens there. And then if I could put that into other medium where, you know, folks will be able to, you know, digest it uh, and have a chance to whether it's reading or, or, or you know, watching a, a TV show or playing a video game. I mean, that, that's just a natural extension of the, of the quote unquote business. Oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you look at it that way, because, you know, there's a few too many authors just going to type his name, not say it. There's a few too many authors <laughs> who, I don't know, they almost get like an insecurity when one of their products gets more attention than the originator or it gets more attention than they as they than they themselves. And I'm just like, that's you completely looking at it the worst possible way you can imagine. But I'm glad you don't take that approach. No, no, no. I'm I'm very business oriented with it. Oh, and by the way, uh, that guy whose name I typed on Discord, yeah, don't ever have a conversation with him. He is exactly the stereotype people call him. Oh my God, I regretted it so quickly. <laughs> and that was and that was before I even played any of the games. So yeah, let's see. All, all right. good, man. No, don't even worry about. It. We're all good. Yeah. Um, any upcoming products you want to mention? Hint, hint. Promote, promote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for it. I have book three in my series. That it's called the Trillius Gambit. And the Gambit will be out and available uh, on audiobook and ebook and paperbacks uh, pretty ubiquitously uh, sometime at late March, early April. Mm-hmm. And then the final book in the series, which will be called Echoes of Ghostwood, uh, will be released in August or September of this year. So the Warminster Saga, the four book series will be completed uh, by end of summer, early fall. Uh, and all four will be ready for a box set for, for the Christmas holidays. And then at that point, I'll announce the the next projects as we get closer to it. But we'll have those here. And then the video game will look for an early or mid-2024 launch of the game. Cool, cool. Uh, You know, as always, uh, I mean, well, this is text. But, you know, when this is over, give me links to everything. And I'll make sure they permanently stay in the description of anything I do relating to your material. All right, moving in. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I know it's classic, but what are some words of advice you would give to new authors looking to write novels in general, not just like specifically fantasy novels. Yeah, sure. So there's a couple of pieces of advice I'd pass on. The first is uh, the toughest, which is be open to constructive criticism. Um, you know, what I found was when you write, you, you're often too close to your own work to see your mistakes. Like you can reread something 20 times and to you it sounds good, but someone that doesn't know what you're trying to describe or doesn't understand the, the plot line or the, the various character arcs, they may see holes that you don't see and you have to go back and redress them uh, and look at it as, you know, making sure that your your, your product is as, as best as it can be. And it needs to stand up to a critique. So be open to constructive criticism. And you can do that by sharing it with beta readers or friends that, you know, and you trust their opinions. Or you're honestly going to get that when you go through an editing process anyway from your copy editor or your development editor or your publisher or if you're an indie folks, you know, the folks you're sending it out to as part of that. I think step two in there 
um, is try to write something every day. And it doesn't have to be long. It could be a couple of paragraphs. It just, it could be outlining a future project. It's just, I, I look at it as going to the gym. Like the day that I don't go to the gym is the day my body tells me you're being lazy. Like, why aren't you at the gym? And you need to be there. Uh, so I, you know, from my perspective, I always try to, you know, put myself in a situation where I feel guilty when I don't write. And that way you're, you stay on time with things and your know, practice makes perfect. And, you know, even if you're writing something uh, that's unrelated to your current work in progress, it's something that keeps you honed. Right. So you're you're practicing your your craft uh, at, at that. And, and lastly, uh, I'll say this. And you've already mentioned it a little earlier. Treat this as a business. You know, you just can't throw it out into the ether and hope that people find you. I think there's 80,000 new pieces of work that hit Amazon alone yeah, every you're month. You need some you know, form of marketing and support. You do. You do. So it's it's doing shows like this or reaching out to other podcasters, radio shows, TV shows, hitting conventions. I go and do the smallest crowds at, at libraries and, and bookstores. I mean, I just did an event this past weekend at a – at a regional library and I think there was 10 people there, you know, but that's 10 new readers. That's 10 new books sold. Uh, and you know, when you get into that kind of mindset and you look at it that way, it's exposure, which will bring you additional eyeballs. And, uh, and I think those are the three pieces of advice I would leave for any aspiring author. Well, that's, that's definitely some words to live by. I like that. Um, I think that a lot of authors, even the more, you know, quote unquote, luxurious ones could actually stand and do that not trying to point fingers at mr rr himself but the only thing that really makes me sad about him is that i can't look at him and be mad at him for not finishing his books because i'm sorry when i see him i just see santa claus i know it's wrong but i do but on top of that <laughs> like he is he's notorious for you know how long he takes to do things and when he explained his process on some level, it made sense. But at the same time, I was like, listen, you might want to consider getting like help with this. It's not even that he's a bad writer. We know he's not a bad writer. The problem is just that his form of writing is basically the equivalent of a dam. Maybe a little bit of water will trickle out, but you're never going to get an overflow because, well, he wasn't he was always draining it before it could even fill up. I just, I kind of feel bad about it because at the rate he going, and again, this is not me wanting this to happen, but I honestly feel like we might be at a point where he may kick the bucket before he actually finishes A Song of Ice and Fire. Yes, the name of the books is actually A Song of Ice and Fire. It was never called Game of Thrones. Yeah, you know, uh, he's he's got a lot of latitude to do whatever the hell he wants, right? True. You know, he's so true. He created a great product and property that, you know, Hollywood in many respects, HBO has made a just a killing on uh and um you know i'm sure we'll see more we just saw house of dragons this past fall uh you know and you know the truth of the matter is, is he's got the latitude to do what he wants with it i don't have that luxury right for me there's an up-and-coming readership that expects products faster and if you're not martin or you're not salvatore or yeah, weiss or folks about. that have yeah, you you, you got to make sure you have new product in front of them because people want to buy into a series that finishes it. They don't want to feel like they've been abandoned uh, as part of that. And secondly, there's, uh, you know, uh, the culture uh, has shifted in the sense that back in the day, it was okay to release one book a year or one book every two years. Now there's a, everybody wants to binge things. 
uh, and whether you're binging your favorite Netflix show or you're you're trying to you know to to, to binge you know your favorite book, I mean, having a series out, something that they can read, they don't want to wait that long. And even me writing epic fantasy, which just takes a lot. There's no, I can't. It's not like I'm knocking out 80 pages and I could turn out a new book every month in a novella form. These are deep reads with rich history, with magic systems, with multiple point of view characters. Uh, and they all have to weave together to make a cogent story. And that's hard to do. And so when I, my pace is six months and that's still long for some. So, God, you know, man. my like I, I, I get where you're going with it. I, I Yeah, I, you know, we, I don't have the luxury because I'm not him. Uh, so, but one day I might, and I still don't think I can do that. If, if the creative juices are flowing that I can't put a stop to them, you know, there's no spigot to turn off with me. It's like, it's gotta go. Like I gotta put it on paper, uh, and even outline it, you know, and just say, all right, I'll get back to it, but this is where I'm going with the story. And I know how this is going. I know how the scene is going to happen. I don't know the, I know how the book is going to end. I know the series is going to end and I could not drag my feet. I mean, it's just my style of writing. I think. Hmm. Very as weird as it sounds, athletic approach to writing. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, that's a little bit of my background. You know, I, 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 I've, I'm a former athlete. I did a bunch of, you know, collegiate level stuff. And well, see, for that me, maybe you still have it, that work ethic. Yeah. It, I think it might just be something like that where it's like, you know, get up at 5 AM and, you know, do more before most people are at work. You know, you already got four hours in. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, and, and, and maybe I look at it that way. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Um, well, we may have to do a show. By the way, I've got I got to jump in like four minutes. I've got a three o'clock conference call. Ooh, ooh. Okay, well, let's uh, burn through these questions. And, you know, once that's done, we'll just go back to synergizing. Okay. Um, as a novelist, it's very common for non-readers to make the assumption that your material will be more popular if it's in a different media format. Do you believe that books should be spread in a different media or do you prefer they stay in the original state as close to the author's original vision as possible? Technically, you did already answer that, but, you know, if you can just refine it. Yeah, sure. No, that, I, I want to see my work in as many forms as possible. You know, I, I get fan art drawn by my readers and they send it to me. I look at that as, as art. Like this is their vision of the characters that are in the novel, or this is their vision of what the castle I explained looks like. And that stuff's fun. I've had requests to do fan fiction and I've kind of tried to put that off until the series is over so that they know the direction of the characters and how everything kind of ends up. So I'm not writing a story about someone who didn't survive the novels or things like that too. So, but I, I think that, you know, the, the more the merrier, uh, I think that only makes for a stronger product. Fantastic. Okay, um, let's see. What, in your opinion, was your favorite book to write? So this is a bit of a cheat, but The Last Keeper was my first book, so that's my baby. You know, that's like the first Ain't born. Wrong with you know what I mean? You just, value. Yeah, you just feel like, even though it, it, I, as a writer, have gotten better, but that was my first published work, and so therefore it's, you know, my favorite. So I know that's that's, that's a cheesy answer, but I'm going to give it anyway. The truth. Hey, we appreciate sentiment on this channel. Well, um, good. All right. Uh, before you leave, do you have any funny writer or world bidding advice you'd like to share with us? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, um, I always tell people that, and I mentioned this earlier about constructive criticism. Truth of the matter is this: I, I one time got a, like a two star review on Amazon, Ooh. and the woman who left it to me said, 
hey, you know, I wanted to love this book. I bought it. I loved the cover. I got home. I couldn't get past 50 pages, did not finish two stars. And for about the first 10 seconds, I was pissed. Uh, I was like, how, how, why wouldn't you go more than 50, 50 pages? And then all of a sudden, the light bulb went off. And what I took from it was that p- one piece of constructive criticism, which is I bought it because I liked the cover. So I said to myself, you know what? The cover did its job. And not everybody's going to like your stuff. You just have to accept the fact that not every piece of Stephen King's work is, is you know, perfect. You know, he's put out great books uh, and then not so great books, right? And there are going to be people that like your genre mm-hmm. and want to like your stuff, but just don't get it. So, you know, sometimes that happens and you just have to let it roll off of you and realize that you, you know, your focus is on the people that are that you're building as your readership that do like your stuff and, and focus on selling to them. Okay. And here's our bonus question, courtesy of Luke. Shout out to Luke over at Sega. Uh, he was wondering if uh, your adaptations of your Warminster universe. Uh, okay, let's see. Let me just read it. I, will want, I was wondering if his adaptations of his Warminster universe to game would be about the actual characters that exist or about the general manner that exists in this world, including their own traditions and ways of life. Essentially, he's wondering, is your, are, do you plan on making games about the characters or games about the universe of Warminster? Yeah, you know, the truth is it's both. There are going cool. to be the major characters that you're going to read about are going to exist in the game, some of which you have to visit to finish the varying quests that are in there. Some of them you have to defeat. You know, there are the big bad evil guys and the bosses that you'll you'll run into as uh, as part of your video game experience. And then the world building that's around that, absolutely, you're going to go to the same cities, you're going to see the same things. It's no longer just going to exist in your head. It's going to be presented to you in the form of, uh, you know, this video game as opposed to, uh, you know, a world building environment within a, a novel. Uh, and, you know, you'll be able to create your own avatars and play your own games and you'll be able to trade items with other players. You're going to be able to interact with other people in a way that makes it uh, next generation gaming uh, and, uh, you know, continues to build on what we've seen over the last 10 years uh, and then push it into augmented reality and then a couple of years from now into virtual uh, but, you know, I think that that's, that's, you know, it's, it, for Luke's sake, it's, it's going to be a bit of both. Okay. Well, uh, just to be clear, uh, Mr. Hillard's books can be found wherever books are sold, physical and digital and for free in libraries. Um, I'm not sure when this episode will be out, but I'll make sure you get a chance to look over before it does. I appreciate you coming through. And after your meeting is over, obviously not recorded, but I would love to continue that synergy discussion with you because I got quite a few questions based on what you said. If you have a little bit of extra free time later today, but I definitely, definitely. I do. I'll give you a call. It might be like four o'clock my time. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. I definitely, uh, definitely appreciate you coming through and I look forward to reading your works in the future. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me on.